0: Together to worship you in spirit and in truth. God have your way today. May your Holy Spirit be evident among us as you manifest yourself in your and through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I guess I, I guess you all are ready for worship. I mean, after that reading of that scripture and the praying by Pastor Harris, I mean it, I mean, I guess you're going, right? I mean, we're really ready to worship. I want to thank them so very much. Pastor Stevens is preaching this morning at Plant over in Plant City, New City Church, and that's the reason he's not here with us and want to keep Pastor and Su- Sister Trudel lifted up. They are traveling. Uh, we'll be coming back from Ohio, I believe, today or uh, tomorrow, probably, to today. Well, we're only a couple of weeks away from the resurrection, right? I mean, we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, um, But today I want to share a story with you that has to do with one of the post-resurrectional experiences of Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 24 again. And I want to just read verse 32. Brother Joe, Pastor Joe read um, 28 through 35. uh, But I want to read just verse 32. And that verse says, and they said to one another. I'm sorry, Luke 24. Thank you. Luke 24, verse 32. Thank you. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? And I want to preach from this thought this morning. What's burning in our hearts? Would you say that with me? What's burning in our hearts? Now, the weekend had been a dark, devastating, and disastrous experience for the disciples and all of the followers of Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus was still afresh on everyone's mind. After standing helplessly by and watching this terrible travesty of justice and the vicious way in which Jesus was put to death, the disciples fled for their safety. Luke's gospel tells us that two of them decided to leave the city of Jerusalem, whose inhabitants, by the way, uh, for the most part, were still seething with hatred for any resemblance of Jesus. These two disciples decided to move further away from the madness, from the memories, and from the miseries associated with the weekend. They were heading towards a village called Emmaus, Amai- which was seven miles northwest of Jerusalem. As they walked together discussing the events of the weekend, Jesus came up and walked beside them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did, they did not know him. They were not aware, aware of the resurrection, and their eyes were restrained. And when Jesus walked up and walked alongside them, they had no clue as to who he was. In verse 16, Jesus entered their conversation by asking them, What kind of conversation is this you are having, and why are you so sad as you walk together and talk together? Verse 17, one of the disciples named Cleopas spoke up saying, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem who is unaware of all of the events, unaware of what has happened in the city in these days? Now, in the 21st century, in 21st century lingo, in the way that we speak today, the disciples' conversation, or statement to Jesus would have sounded like this. How could you have missed what happened? It's been all over the news. It's breaking news all over the newspaper, all over the television, all over the radio. How could you have missed it? People are Googling it. They're Facebooking it. They're blogging it. They're tweeting it, Twitter and texting about it. How could you have missed it? How could you have missed it? But Jesus said to them in verse 19, what thing? They said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet. He was mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. They told him how the chief priests and how the rulers had gotten together, falsely accused him and condemned him to death and how they had crucified him. Then they said these words, but we were hoping. New New International Version said we had hoped. He was going to redeem Israel. Before all of this happened, we hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to save us, set up his kingdom here, and make life better for us. We are disappointed. We had hoped. Hope is gone. Hope has is fleeting. Hope is gone. Besides all of this, today is the third day since this happened. But wait a minute, there's more to the story. They said certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. They amazed us. They mesmerized us with their story. When they did not find his body, they reported back to us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. We were amazed at that story. There was a little bit of hope. There was some glimmer there. There was some satisfaction there. We were excited about it, but it was short-lived because when we investigated the tomb, We discovered that it was empty, as the women had said, but there was no sign of Jesus. And after allowing these disciples to vent, after allowing them to get all of this off of their chest, after allowing them to share their disappointments, their disillusionments, their depression, their heartaches, their heartbreaks, the trauma and the drama in their lives. Jesus said to them in verses 25 and 26, "O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the things the prophet has spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And then very patiently, very kindly, Jesus began with Moses and all of the prophets began to teach them the scriptures about himself. He went all the way back and pointed out all the scriptures that talked about him being Messiah, being the savior of the world. And as they approached their destination, they got almost to the city of Emmaus. They got almost to the point where they, they were going. Uh, Jesus indicated to them that he was journeying on. But they, the scripture says compelled him. They compelled him. To stay, saying it's almost evening, and the time is well spent. Jesus, why don't you just stay with us? In other words, it's been a good time. In other words, you have lifted our spirits. Why don't you stay with us for a while? No need to go. No hurry. It's getting dark. Just stay with us. With that, Jesus stayed. He sat at the table with them. Luke says he broke bread Blessed it, blessed the bread, broke it and gave it to them. And at that point, at that very instant, something miraculously happened. Their eyes were open and he vanished from their sight. Now, observe carefully the words of verse 32, because these words are indicative of a relationship reality That is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago when Cleopas and the other disciple met Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Notice the text reads, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he Talk with us on the road. And while he opened the scriptures to us, notice the relationship reality in the text. The disciples had burning hearts. Do you see that? They had burning hearts because of the relationship encounter between Jesus and themselves. At first they had broken hearts. Are you you with me? Are you seeing this? At first, they had broken hearts, but when they met Jesus, they had blessed hearts. They had burning hearts. That's a relationship reality, from heartbrokenness to burning hearts. Noted pastor and author Henry Blackaby made a simple yet profound statement in a study book he wrote with Claude V. King entitled, Experiencing God. Pastor Blackberry wrote, and I quote, no one can meet Jesus and remain the same. Can I get a witness? If there anybody here who can say that you met Jesus and you were able to remain the same, Blackberry says no one can meet Jesus. No no one can be Jesus genuinely and remain the same. Surely, people can be introduced to Jesus and even view him as a casual acquaintance and continue life as usual. Undoubtedly, people can meet Jesus and remain in a superficial A surface relationship with him with no transformation of life, no change in their morals, no change in their values, no change in their ethical standards, no change in their attitudes and their actions, their behavior with a superficial relationship. Unquestionably, people can play church, play the religious game. Learn the religious rhetoric, go through religious motions, jump through religious hoops, trying to fake it until they make it without ever being born again. Unquestionably, people can do that. Indisputably, the world is inundated, saturated, dripping and drenched with religious fraud, fakery, And phoniness, even at the highest levels of religion. But when we enter into a real, authentic encounter with Jesus, he places a supernatural burning within our heart. That's what Cleopas experienced. That's what the other disciple experienced. That's what everyone experiences who has a genuine relationship with Jesus. There is a burning in our hearts when we meet him, when we trade our sinful lives for his righteous atonement, for his payment of our sin debt on Calvary's cross, when that happens, our hearts become captivated by his presence, motivated by his personage, stimulated by his persona, and cultivated by his pleasure. In other words, in other words, if this thing is real, if we're not playing games, our hearts will burn with the red-hot passions of his desire. Oh, let me help somebody here. If we're not half-stepping, if we are all-in, if we meant what we said when we stood at the altar of salvation and said, I do. To Jesus, if we were not looking for a way out when we stood there, if we were not looking for an escape clause, if we were not looking for a way out, if we meant what we said when we said, Jesus, I do, we will find ourselves ridiculously, outrageously, incredibly engulfed by the flames of His will. Can I get a witness here? Notice the reality of a heart set ablaze by God in Jeremiah 29. You know this is a familiar text. Jeremiah was, was, was there and he was going through it and he was dealing with a group of religious, uh, of, uh, religious rebellious people and he, he just had enough and he just was about to throw in the towel and he said these words. Then I said, I will not mention of him, nor speak his name anymore. But notice what Jeremiah says next his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bone. I could not say, anybody here, you've said more than one occasion, I'm fed up. I've had it, I'm tired, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm giving up. But the burning within your heart wouldn't let you do it. I'm not going to another meeting, I'm not going to another rehearsal, I'm not going back again, but the burning wouldn't let you sit still because you have a genuine relationship with him. Likewise, Jeremiah, Cleopas, and his Emmaus imo- Roe counterpart, there ought to be some things in our lives that just burn with the red hot flame of Jesus Christ. But let me just give you several examples of what ought to be burning our hearts. First, our hearts ought to burn for the salvation of sinners. We ought to be passionate about sharing our desire to see for saved. In Romans 5, 7 and 8, Paul describes the passion of, of Jesus, the burning of, uh, in, in Jesus' heart for the salvation of sinners. Paul put it like this, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet because perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But here's that passion, don't miss it, but God demonstrated his love. God demonstrated his burning desire in in his heart to save sinners. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners. You you know what that means? It means we didn't have it all together. It, It means we weren't holy and righteous. It means that we didn't have every. I dotted in every T cross. It means that we were not doing what we were supposed to be doing. But God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's passion. Jesus had a burning in his heart for you and for me those of us who have come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, those of us who have had our robes washed in the blood of the lamb, those of us who understand that Jesus paid our sin debt in full on Calvary's cross, those of us who know that he got up from the grave with all power in his hands, those of us who occupy pulpits, pews, stand behind sacred lecterns, sing in the choir, usher at the doors, participate in health care ministry, work in every facet of church life, should be burning with the desire to see people come to know Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Is there anybody here who has a passion to see sinners saved? Is there anybody in this Sanctuary today that has heartfelt desire to see people have their life have life and have it more abundantly? How about this? Is there anybody here who has a passionate desire to see everyone you know spend eternity in heaven with God instead of in hell with the devil and his crew? Does anybody here have a passion to see folk make it into heaven? So that passionate desire will drive you like it drove Jeremiah. It will drive you like it drove Paul. It will drive you like it drove Esther. It will drive you and me to lead people to God in and every way we can. Oh, to be sure, we aren't careful. We can get lured into spiritual complacency. You see, it's spiritually gratifying for us to sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. But what hustler, what gangster, What thug, what hoodlum, what unmoral woman, a man, boy, a girl, have we shared Christ with lately? It's spiritually gratifying to, to sing, oh, how I love Jesus. It's socially edifying to sing when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we, all of us in here who already know him, when we all see Jesus, what a day of rejoicing that will be. That's socially edifying. But what have we done recently to show people who are sin sick, have lost their way, have given up on God, have given up on the church, have given up on family have given up on friends. Some have even given up on life. What have we done lately to tell them and to show them that Jesus loves them and he wants to wrap his arms around them and have a relationship with them as vile as they are, as vicious as they are, as vindictive as they are. He wants in their lives. Matthew 28, 19 says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Go and tell somebody Jesus saves. Tell somebody. No matter how low you've, you've sunk, uh, te- Jesus can pick you up for God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, remember Christ died for us. So says Romans five and eight, tell the lost, the least and the lonely. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes, yeah, yeah. not our goodness. By his stripes, not how much money we give. By his stripes, not by our academic accomplishments. By his stripes, not by our righteousness. By his stripes we are healed. Second, our hearts should burn with the seasoning of the saints. What that means is we should be passionate about learning all we can learn about Jesus in order to be more like him. That's what Sunday school is all about. That's what new members orientation class is all about. That's what our newly developed Discipleship 201 and 301 classes will be all about in May. That's what noontime Bible study is about on Wednesday. That's what 730 midweek Bible study is about on Wednesday nights. That's what youth mission and children's church is about. That's what men's and women's retreat is about. That's what every Bible study and training opportunity offered by Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church is about. You see, we are just going through the motions. This church has Heart for the seasoning of the saints. Jesus commanded his disciples in 28, Matthew twenty eight twenty to teach people his word, his will, and his way. And when Jesus burns within us, we will not only desire to be learners, but we will have a passion to be teachers. Third and finally, our heart should burn for the saturation of skeptics. A skeptic is a doubter. A skeptic oftentimes is a cynic. A skeptic is an unbeliever. Skeptics often won't come to church to attend a Sunday morning worship service. Every once in a while you see skeptics, they'll show up at homegoing services as funeral at funerals and they'll show up uh, at weddings but typically off times many times skeptics will not come to church at 11 o'clock on sunday morning for worship they might watch basketball they might watch football they might hang out under the tree they might be in the park they might fix their cars They might cut the grass. They might be out at the lake. They might be on their boats at the beach. They might be doing a lot of other things. But oftentimes they won't be here. Therefore, we must take the church to them. I know we get comfortable with our air conditioned buildings and I know we get comfortable with our nice pews and 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 we get comfortable being around each other. Others who love God, but we must take the church to them. Again, Matthew 28, 19 says, go. To go means move forward. To go means to be active, intentional, deliberate, purposely saturating the skeptic's world with the unconditional love of Jesus. Those whose hearts are set ablaze by Jesus will have an unquenchable thirst as well as an insatiable appetite to be the hands, the feet of Jesus in a world filled with skepticism that's called outreach ministry you see taking the gospel out beyond the four walls of the church is what Jesus called us to do to go means to move forward to actively represent him those whose hearts have been set ablaze by Jesus will be passionate about outreach ministry passionate about going into the hedges passionate about going into the highways, the hood, uptown, downtown, cross the tracks, the back alleys, the bottom. Everywhere God opens doors. People who have a burning heart to saturate the skeptic with the words and the will and the ways of Jesus will be there. When our hearts burn within us to help those because of sin's grip on their lives are separated from God and from us, outreach will happen. When our hearts burn within us with care, compassion for the lost, the least, the lonely, outreach will happen. When our hearts burn within us for those who are rejected, and we see them every day, for those who are dejected, we work with them We see them as they pass the church, as we drive by them standing on the street corners. Those who are misdirected, we see them every day. When our hearts burn for them, outreach will happen. Oh, thank God for the burning in the hearts of people with appetites and thirst to represent Jesus to a world filled with skepticism. Let me give you a few faces of outreach. A few examples of saturating the skeptic's world. On well, Yesterday, Social Pastor Stevens implemented his vision to reach out into a community with a ministry he named Christ Clothes and Cake. <laughs> Peoples whose hearts burn. Like Pastor Stevens, hearts burn, hearts burn, heart burns. To reach out in the community, Tony's Chicken and Waffles. and, And they gather there to share the love of Jesus. Giving away free clothes, free cake, and talking freely and praying freely with people about Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? No tickets. No charge, no gimmicks, no, no games. Just a burning in their hearts to saturate the skeptics' world. So you want to know what happened? Skeptics began to gather. Skeptics began to come and to, and to pick up clothes and to get cake and to request prayer. People with burning hearts Hell signs that said, Jesus saves and John 3 16 and free come and receive free. People with burning hearts put their arms around the less fortunate and loved them and hugged them and prayed for them and shared the goodness of God with them. That's outreach. This morning. Minister Axum and Sister D and Minister Marcus O'Colvey will meet in a community center in Lakeland. They'll pick up children, men of them who, who come from difficult backgrounds. They, they'll pick up children who, who, who walk the streets with sagging pants. They'll pick up children who are disrespecting teachers and administrators in school. They'll pick up students who, who, who's, whose parents oftentimes are, are not there or are just so overwhelmed with work that they cannot put the time in. They'll pick up students whose parents aren't academically astute enough to help them with their schoolwork. They'll pick up students who otherwise will sit around on Sunday and watch TV and play ball out in the park and get in trouble. They'll pick them up. They'll feed them breakfast. They'll have Bible study. They'll sing songs of Zion. They're Christian songs. They'll they'll, 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 they'll preach a sermon. They'll they'll give them snacks. They'll play ball with them. They'll have fellowship with them. And then they'll take them home free of charge. Because they have a burning in their hearts to reach into the skeptic's world. Last week at the Calvary Recreational Center, Brother Ken Riley and his wife, Sister Riley and Sister Thurman and others from our church, as well as a host of people uh, from, from our church, sponsored the, the Youth Summit at the Carver Recreational Center. And because of the burning in their hearts, they got out there mixed and mingled with kids and not only preached to them about what the Christian lifestyle is, but they modeled to them yeah. what the Christian lifestyle is. It's all about. Lastly, every week, I want to share with you every week, Mother Patterson and Mother Hicks and Sister Washington take ministry to women locked up in the Bartow Jail. Women who are locked away from their, their families. Women who are locked away for many of them for crimes they have. Committed and they, and they and they and they reach out to them not because they have to, but because there is a burning in their desire, hard in their burning desire in their hearts to do so. They want to represent Jesus in a setting that's full of skepticism. Now I could go on and on, but I think you get my point. Here's the challenge. For us. And I'm done. What's burning in your heart? What's burning in your heart? If it's the things of God. If if it's the same things that's burning. In the heart. Of Jesus. then thank God. Praise him for. But if not. Ask him. To give you a heart like his. Ask him to give you that passionate desire. Ask him to awaken within you a spirit to reach out and to share Christ with word, with walk, and with wit.